Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Contiglary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this week's episode, I'll hit on various changing backfields around the NFL and then get to some advice for Week 7. There's been a bunch of news at running back over the past week, the most notable, probably Christian McCaffrey being on the trade block, and it does sound like he will be moved. The team that immediately came to mind was the Bills, but after the news this morning about Travis Kelsey restructuring his contract, it looks like the Chiefs could be gearing up for a run-up McCaffrey. Probably not a huge difference from a fantasy perspective, whether he stays in Carolina or gets traded elsewhere. The main concern for McCaffrey is always the durability. When he's on the field, he's a high-end RB1. But being with the Bills or Chiefs, or maybe the Rams, I guess, are another option, would certainly increase McCaffrey's ceiling in a high-powered offense. And it'd probably help him stay healthy, not needing to carry the full load for the offense because obviously Buffalo and Kansas City have a bunch of playmakers and other capable running backs. I could see if there is a move made, the Panthers getting back a running back in exchange for McCaffrey. So I wouldn't place too much of a priority on Chuba Hubbard or Deontay Foreman. They'd be boosted into flex territory, but the upside isn't too exciting. And there are other options out there, some also widely available that I'd rather be targeting. And I'll get to a couple of those in a minute. But first, the other big running back news was Cam Akers essentially stepping away from the Rams. The situation has since been described as philosophical differences between him and Sean McVay. My guess is Daryl Henderson was going to start after Akers started a couple of games and didn't get going on the ground. And Akers isn't happy with the situation. McVay left the door open for them to reunite, but they're going to work together to try to work out a trade. And maybe a new landing spot will be what Akers needs to get his career back on track. The blocking for Los Angeles obviously hasn't been great, but Akers needs to regain his confidence. So his redraft value will be interesting and dependent on the situation if he's indeed traded. I mentioned Christian McCaffrey as a possibility for Los Angeles, but if no move is made, I'd say Kyron Williams is definitely the guy I'd be targeting. Prior to week one, he was talked up as someone that would have a big role on offense by Adam Schefter. And I know people don't believe that will be the case because Williams isn't a big back or doesn't have breakaway speed. But the thing he is, is a phenomenal pass protector, which the Rams need. So based on the talent and potential situation, I think he's worth a stash in all formats. The ankle injury being a high ankle sprain has been a concern for some, but the fact that he got surgery to fully recover rather than playing through it like other guys have done in recent years. Saquon Barkley comes to mind, not being as effective on the injury. Williams being hopefully 100% should allow him to be a possible difference maker. And for a couple of other rookies that came through last week, Ken Walker III, who if you watch the game is clearly the real deal, and Brian Robinson Jr. for the Commanders. Walker is arguably a RB1, RB2 for the rest of the season. This week, I love the matchup versus the Chargers. So we have him as the RB11 in our Week 7 rankings. And for Robinson, he's a borderline top 20 option. There are still plenty of doubters for him because people weren't enamored with the speed or burst last Thursday night. But he's a traditional throwback runner as a power back that will set the tone for the offense. And I don't see Washington going away from him as the clear starter. Also, it's helpful that Tyler Heineke is not really a downgrade from Carson Wentz, in my opinion. 
he's proven very capable whenever in the lineup over the past couple of years. And remember, Robinson is coming off getting shot in the leg, so he should only be more effective as he knocks off the rust and hopefully handles 15 to 20 weekly touches. I'll hit on a couple of more backfields for the Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson had another great game last week in a win over the Browns. If Damian Harris is out again with a hamstring injury on Monday night, then Stevenson will at least be a top 10 option. But from a long-term perspective, I'd still want to invest in Harris. I'm sure he's a prime by low target with many being concerned that Stevenson will be the clear lead back. But Harris is still a premier touchdown scorer. Stevenson notably didn't convert on his goal line opportunities last week. And I like Harris, who has 17 touchdowns over his past 16 games to retain RB2 value whenever he's back. For the short yardage runs, I think Harris being a little more decisive and having great vision should continue giving him the edge over Stevenson when both are healthy. And the Patriots should run enough that both Stevenson and Harris can have top 20 value, which is the case in our rankings this week, assuming Harris plays. Then finally, the Denver backfield, which was turned upside down on Monday night with Latavius Murray emerging as a lead back despite Melvin Gordon starting the game. You could see visible frustration by Gordon on the sidelines and after the game, but the Broncos simply don't trust him because of the fumble issues, and I thought Murray ran very well against the Chargers. So at best for Gordon, it looks like they might split series, which was the case to start the game on Monday night, but the more likely scenario might be Murray being the clear lead back, which would give Gordon almost no standalone value in an offense that's really struggled. So it'll be interesting to see if he's another name that's added to the trade market, along with McCaffrey and Cam Akers. Also quickly, for those that didn't hear, ESPN's Adam Schefter said Gus Edwards, he thinks, will return this week for the Ravens. They've clearly not wanted to give J.K. Dobbins heavy workloads, and various running backs have been pressed for them this season. So the opportunity should be there for Edwards to potentially be a flex option as a guy that's rushed for 700-plus yards in each of his first three seasons. And if he's back this week, I like the matchup against the Browns. Now moving on to general Week 7 advice, I'll hit on various thoughts for players at each position. Starting at quarterback, my main start of the week is Tom Brady, and he's also someone I'd be investing in long-term, with some investors surely wanting to move on based on how the season has started. Basically, we've seen this story before. Brady has been written off, faced heavy criticism, many saying he's done. But eventually, things will click for Tampa Bay's offense. We can go back several years to his time with the Patriots, where people were calling for Brady to be benched. It hasn't come close to reaching that level, because pass protection is the main issue right now. Brady definitely hasn't played well. He's been less than pinpoint accurate on many of his throws. But the greatest player of all time will figure things out. And I'd rank him as a top 5 option for Week 7, with the hopes they can get right against the Panthers. A couple of spots outside the top five is Derek Carr versus the Texans. He's a bi-week fill-in I've been holding for Jalen Hurts and Devontae Adams not being suspended, or at least not facing a suspension until the legal situation plays out, has me feeling good about Carr for home matchup against the Texans. The successful ground attack led by Josh Jacobs will open things up for Carr, and Houston has been a bottom 10 pass defense in terms of yards per game allowed. So Carr and the Raiders at 1-4. Could have some things figured out coming off the bye. And I like his outlook as a QB1. The third guy I'll hit on for the QB1 ranks at QB11 is Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Niners might have been looking ahead to the Chiefs 
as reason for them coming out flat last week and the loss to Atlanta. But Garoppolo had almost 300 yards and two touchdowns last week, and I'm assuming he'll need to throw in order to keep up with Kansas City, who could be a little drained from their loss to the Bills and will be starting multiple rookie cornerbacks. So Jimmy G is a great streaming option as a low-end QB1. At running back, I hit on a lot of these guys that I'd like to mention for this week. So I'll give the exact rankings for some of them. Ken Walker, I said RB11, with the expectation that Damian Harris will play. I have Ramondre Stevenson as the RB15, and Damian Harris as the RB19. Behind them, Brian Robinson Jr. we have as the RB22, Latavius Murray as the RB29, and Melvin Gordon, unless we hear something about his role increasing, has dropped down to the RB46. For the wide receivers, sticking with the thought that Tom Brady will get things figured out, Mike Evans is the wide receiver four, and Chris Godwin is the wide receiver six in the rankings. A couple of spots behind Godwin is Mike Williams as the wide receiver eight. Monday night was a weird game with Williams drawing coverage from Patrick Sertan. I think, as Troy Aikman pointed out on the broadcast, that Williams should have gotten more opportunities. I actually would like to take another look at the deep shot down the left sideline that was called incomplete. It probably was, but I thought Williams might have actually dragged his left toe. But either way, the talent was on display again, despite the limited opportunities. And it was just one of those games that sometimes happens for whatever reason, where Justin Herbert really didn't look in Williams' direction. But I expect he'll have more confidence in him this week against Seattle. And the Chargers should get him more in the slot to free him up versus stingy boundary coverage, which he could face versus rookie Tyreek Woolen on Sunday. For the Arizona receivers, DeAndre Hopkins is eligible to return from suspension. I was admittedly not high on Hopkins this season because of the presence of Marquise Brown, but with Brown facing an extended absence with a foot injury, Hopkins gets boosted immediately into the wide receiver two ranks, and he can return to being a wide receiver one option if enough targets are there from Kyler Murray. The guy the Cardinals will be counting on to pick up some of the downfield slack for Brown will be Robbie Anderson, acquired in a trade with the Panthers. I wouldn't rush to grab Anderson off the waiver wire, Arizona still has, in addition to Hopkins, Zach Ertz, Rondell Moore, and A.J. Green on the offense. I'm guessing the value for Anderson will be a boomer bust flex that might have unpredictable big weeks. So we still have Rondell Moore ahead of him in our rest of the season rankings. And Anderson might have a bigger real-life impact than fantasy impact. For the Packers, the offense has really struggled, but I'd still be sticking with Romeo Dobbs based on the talent he's shown to begin his NFL career. He's totaled 50 yards over the past two weeks without a touchdown, but he's seen a couple of downfield shots. And in my opinion, the pass protection has been a bigger issue than anything about the wideouts not creating separation. Based on some of the tough catches Dobbs has made, he should have the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And the rookie has been a full-time player with at least 86% of the team's offensive snaps in each of the past four games. So for this week in particular, I still have Dobbs as a low-end wide receiver two option against the Commanders. A few other options I like for this week at wide receiver are Brandon Cooks, who feels like he's due for a big game versus the Raiders, Michael Gallup, who should get Dak Prescott back against the Lions, and if he's back following a two-week absence for a hamstring injury, Jahan Dotson should be owned in all leagues and would be on the flex radar, even with Carson Wentz out as the wide receiver two for Washington. Now finishing off at tight end, the top two for this week, we have Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, which has become the standard with the order being flipped depending on the matchup. 
but at number three with a chance to play quarterback based on the health of Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston is Taysom Hill. He threw four passes last week, threw a touchdown two weeks ago, and is averaging over 10 yards a carry on the season. So on a short week, it makes sense for the Saints to lean into Hill, both as a runner and passer if needed. The other guys I'd be targeting for week seven are Mike Isicki, who showed his upside last week with two touchdowns and could see increased targets if Jalen Waddle is out or at less than 100%. And rookie Greg Dulcich made his debut on Monday night, caught a long touchdown from Russell Wilson when it looked like the offense was finally on track before slowing down, but he should remain a big part of the offense. Now he'll take on a Jets team that is best attacked on the interior. Robert Tunyon, who plays in a similar system to the one Nathaniel Hackett runs, caught 10 passes for 90 yards against the Jets last week. So Dulcich is a tight end two option as a strong streamer in a plus matchup. And with that, we'll wrap things up. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions you might have if you're a Fantasy Consigliere member, and you can find our full rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. Until next time, I'm Dylan Shapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. <laughs>